Hello and welcome back to The Room Above the Attic, a true crime podcast where I describe horrific true crime events to my father. And I patiently listen on bated breath to <laughs> to these um, these crimes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back another week. Um, anything interesting happened in your life this week? Yeah, we do talk every day with people, but um, yeah, we. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Uh, there's some. I, I, we have some interesting conversations. I got to say on the podcast, so we do. <clears throat> um, anything happen? No, nothing new to report. <laughs> uh, no, huh? Life's been pretty boring. Okay. What about you? Did you do anything? No. Oh, we did start binging the uh, X Files. Over these last two weeks. Well, kind of. We haven't kind really of. gotten very far. Yeah, we're on like season. We're I think we're still on season one. Yeah, we're season one. Um. Yeah. But I gotta say, I'm hooked. They're good, and you know, I gotta, you know, I I forgot, but the uh, production quality in the first season was pretty bad. Like, yeah, you know, Fox was like, we're not sure if this is gonna do anything so we're gonna we're not gonna give them any money so like it was just oh it was kind of it's laughable just how they do like alien abductions and stuff it's just like a flashing light i know (laughs) it's it's interesting but um i i think as the seasons go on uh they get more money in their budget (laughs) yeah so but the stories are good so yeah yeah I'm hoping this is, like, The X-Files is, like, this podcast where at first, like, we didn't really know if it was going to take off and stuff. And then, once we gained footing, we just mm. soar into the sky. Yes. Exactly. And go on world tours. Mm-hmm. Because I want to go to Scotland so bad. Like, if I could go to... Like, the top three places to visit for me right now are Scotland, Ireland, and London again. Because I feel like I just didn't get enough time in London. So you want to go to the same place on the globe, basically. Yeah. That you just were at. Uh-huh. You don't want to go somewhere new. You haven't been anywhere tropical yet. Oh, that's true. I could go to Finland. That's, That's not tropical. Not tropical. You... Um, oh my goodness. Ooh, the Netherlands, mm-hmm. Sweden. I could do all of those. Germany. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. So, all right. Well, I I think we're all caught up. Yeah. Nothing big happened this week for us. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. I mean, I think uh, if nothing, you know. Yeah. Nothing good happened. Nothing bad happened. It was yeah. just a week. All right. All right. <laughs> we, we didn't really do anything this week. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wasn't really productive. <laughs> um, well, you you went to school. And... I went to school. <coughs> I did a few papers uh-huh. and stuff. So you were productive. Yeah, I was productive, yeah. Yeah. And work and all that and good work, stuff. And work, yeah. So you were productive. It's just not, not anything to write home about. Interesting. Yeah. 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 All right, so I think without further ado, we're going to have to get onto the story since... Okay. Um, I have one... Qu- 
question for you. One question for me. Yes. Are you afraid of the dark? Not anymore. <laughs> Not when anymore. I was, when I was a kid, I'm going to be honest, I hated the dark. Yeah. Uh, the Predator movie just came out. The first one, the best one. Uh, and I was convinced that the Predator was going to hunt me <laughs> and kill me. Um, and that's creepy because right. the Predator is invisible. Right. So it just... I was not a happy camper. Yeah. I mean, I I feel the same way. Uh, my thing, though, wasn't... Um, this is going to sound really, really bad. My thing wasn't the Predator. It was Mini-Me from Austin Powers. <laughs> he, he scared you, huh? He scared me. I was afraid. Him and Dobby the house elf. I was afraid... They were living under my bed, and they were going to come and take me in the middle of the night. Wow, that's <laughs> that's interesting. So for the longest time, I was afraid of Mini-Me and Dobby. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And you know, uh, Alien, but the big one was the Predator. Because... Yeah. You can't see him. You can't stop him. Arnold had a hard time stopping him. I mean, I was a... Ten-year-old kid gonna do it. Yeah. You know what I mean. Um, but also, why was a ten-year-old kid watching the Predator? Well, at that time, you know, now in the movies, they have uh, basically said it doesn't hunt kids. You know, instead, <laughs> it's uh, it has a code. It has, it has, it has a code, yeah, that it sticks to, and stuff like that. But in that first movie, you didn't know that. <laughs> there, there was were no kids. Code. There was no code. It did whatever it wanted to do. <laughs> you know, I I think I've seen I think pretty much every Predator movie now, and I'm just I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't like the stories. You know, <laughs> I don't. Like I kind of I don't know how, what they could have done to improve them. Maybe they should have just left it alone. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Anyway. So, am I so, afraid of the dark? Uh, not anymore, but that could change tonight, maybe. Yeah. I am going to say, maybe after the story, you are going to be afraid of the dark again. Oh, gosh. All let's, right. Let's, uh, maybe we shouldn't do it. Maybe okay, that's should. all, folks. Thanks all for... right, bye. <laughs> all right, go for it. All right, it. so we are going back to the 1800s for this episode. And we are going to be exploring a string of murders that would terrorize Austin, Texas for a year. Wow. Um, this, Austin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This might be, I read that it might be like the first American serial killer ever. Huh. Um, which is interesting. Well, I thought um, that one guy... For the World's Fair, remember? Oh, H.H. H. Holmes? Yeah, I thought he I was I think this is a little bit before, because this is in 1884. Okay. Which was three a full three years before Jack the Ripper. Huh. Okay. So, wow. yeah. Okay, all right. So, let's go. Uh, this is making me even more interested. Yeah, so we're in 1884, and a killer would attack and murder... Eight women in their homes in uh, Austin, Texas. Hmm. Uh, well, it's can't blame seven... that one on video games. No, or heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it was actually seven women and then one man. 
Or Dungeons and Dragons. Or Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> um, so the victims of the crimes were servant girls. Um, they were usually young African-American women who um, were employed as domestic servants. Hmm. Okay. Um, and, again, they are employed by, like, uh, a lot of the times wealthy Austin households. Right. Um, so in the early months of 1885, a string of crimes uh, prior to the murders, a string of crimes began and they tender, tended to center specifically on servants. Mm-hmm. And many servants had their private quarters broken into. Um, rocks were thrown through windows and uh, threats were shouted. Hmm. And then it sort of progressed and it became physical assaults and attempted rape mm. and these just became more common as the year progressed oh wow okay um and as the same time as the years progressing the attacks are becoming more violent and deadly mm. all right so it's already like escalating, but I don't think they really knew the magnitude that this was gonna get to. Right. Yet. Um and I imagine like obviously there's still a lot of racism going on, so I'm assuming it's not gonna be too uncommon to hear about people assaulting um, young African American women during this. Is that who the so so the servants? I don't know. I guess I was uh, imagining like Downton Abbey. Their servants are white. So, but but <laughs> you know, but they're equal uh, opportunity. So right. so they had African American servants. So mm-hmm. so the the victims are all African American. Um, I believe. All of them except for one are African Americans. Okay. See, <coughs> excuse me. When you said servants, in my head I envisioned a white person. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So they're African American. That's all right. Yeah. All right. So our first victim, or the first victim, is Molly Smith, who was born in Virginia in 1857. Mm-hmm. Uh, Molly worked as a servant for a county tax collector in Waco. Texas and would travel between Waco and Austin frequently. Wow. Okay. Um, at the time of her death, she worked for Walter Hall in Austin. Uh-huh. Um, and she had a ten-year-old son. Mm. She was, was found. She married? I don't believe she was married. I oh. think. Single mom. Yeah. Trying to support her son. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that. Something happened to the husband before, like, several months before he was born. Oh, okay. Um, Molly was found in the snow. She was stabbed multiple times in the legs, arms, chest, and abdomen. And she also had blunt force trauma to her head. Okay. The second victim was named Eliza Shelley. That's kind of, I don't know. Crime of rage. You know, yeah, because you're stabbing them. Force trauma to the head. And mm-hmm. 
And the blunt force object was an axe. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This. Fair warning, this gets pretty gruesome. You pick some gruesome Um, ones here. Yeah. Just. Yeah, I've had to. I've had to prepare myself for some of these stories. They they get dark. Yeah. I don't try to. It's just like I pick them and I research them, and then I realize how dark it is. If further, As you go. I, yeah, 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 I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like I'm not trying. I'm like this one sounds interesting, and then I research it, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah. But we are researching crimes, and yeah, usually crime is not happy-go-lucky mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. So, all yeah. right. All right, so the second victim was named Eliza Shelley. Um, Eliza was described as a faithful wife, faithful wife, mother, and employee. She had two children, um, and she worked as a cook in Austin. Okay. Yeah, for a somewhat wealthy family. Okay. Um, Eliza was found with her head nearly being split in two by an axe. My goodness. So, is that the extent of her injuries? Uh, yeah. There is only... So, like... Hmm. Okay. So they're kind of, like, getting more and more violent. Well, I don't know. That first one was the more first violent one was, than this one. Yeah. But, yeah. This one... Hmm, is a lot different from the... Except for the axe to the head. This one, mm-hmm. yeah, is different. I wonder why. Okay. Keep yeah. going. The third victim was Irene Cross, who was born in Mississippi in 1847, and she left behind an eight-year-old son. Uh, the night Irene was murdered, her son was gone, but her eight-year-old nephew was with her. He was one of the few people to see the killer, and he described the man he saw as big, chunky, and African-American. Um, and he said he was male, mm-hmm. so that rules out female suspects. Mm-hmm. And he was barefooted with his pants rolled up. Hmm. Okay. And Irene was found stabbed multiple times and was partially scalped. Wow. Why? <clears throat> Why? Uh, yeah. Why would somebody... You know, we always ask that question. We'll never truly understand it. But um, like, there's people who dedicate their entire lives, like criminal sociology. Um, a criminal sociologist really tries to dedicate their lives to finding out why mm-hmm. people are the or criminals. Do the they do. Yeah, are the way they are and stuff. I just heard because that that was. When the nephew saw the um, the killer, he uh, he was African American. I just was I heard something, and maybe it was from one of your podcasts. Um, that was uh, most serial killers most of the time kill within kill within their race. race. Yeah. So that was that was when um, you said he was murder squad. Oh, that's right. So when you said he was. Um, african-american that actually kind of was like oh wait yeah i did hear that guy because in my head again you know as you try to picture the story i i pictured 
the servants is white. They were not. They were African American. And then I pictured the, you know, because racism. I pictured the killer as white. Right. When I after I heard that they were African American, right. Everything's black. Yeah. Everything is uh, African American. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Yeah, I found that kind of interesting too, because I was like. Well, um, I thought, too, it had to do a lot with race and stuff. And I read, I found out that the eight-year-old nephew described him as Af- an African-American man. And I was like, huh. Yeah. And I had to, like, take a step back and be like, okay, so this is where this is going. Yeah, yeah. Change, change the narration in my head. Yeah. All right. So where are we now? We are on our fourth victim. Okay. Her name was Mary Ramey. Um, she Ramey? Was Ramey. How do you say that? R-A-M-E-Y. Uh, either could be right, but I've heard of Ramey before, so, but anyway. Okay, I'll say Ramey. Okay. <laughs> Mary was raised by her mother, Rebecca Ramey, and grew up in a family which included her older brother, sister, um, grandmother Harriet Carrington and her uncle Edward H. Carrington um, and her uncle actually was a pretty cool guy mm-hmm. he um, actually opened the Carrington grocery store in 1872 and it was one of the first African American owned businesses in Austin oh cool Yeah. an entrepreneur and in that time that yeah. was difficult yeah. Very. Yeah. Cool. All right. And um, by the mid-1880s, her uncle had sold the store to Richard Dukes and had relocated relocated his own business a few blocks north. Okay. So he's, again, making business moves and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, her mother found employment working as a servant at the residence of Valentine O. Weed um, and she and Mary lived on the property. Okay. So again, they're servants. Right. By this time, they are starting to kind of link stuff together and one newspaper uh, dubs the, seri- the series of killings as the servant girl annihilations. Huh. So this is what this is called from this point when this yeah Mm. okay wow that's the very first if if this is truly the first uh serial killer uh that is known in america um that's the first uh tagline of a serial killer yeah (laughs) the servant girl annihilations yeah which is pretty uh pretty big <laughs> yeah this was the first yeah this first time this is really the first american serial killer that makes that the first nickname given to a serial killer ever yeah yeah i hadn't thought of that before that's pretty cool yeah all right so in america anyway yeah in america yeah murder's probably been going on I'm taking sociology right now, so I have, 
I'm like thinking about it through sociologists perspective and so you could say that this has been going on since like humans started to have stuff to fight over mm-hmm. all right where um, are we okay <laughs> sorry so on the i don't night... think you need to take sociology to figure that one out though <laughs> Okay, well, ahead. I was just saying, because if you think of, um, I want to say Marxism, but it's Marxi- like conflict Marxism. theory. It's like there's always been a perpetual conflict between people who have stuff and people who don't. Yeah. They're always in perpetual conflict. Right. So, yeah. Okay. But on the night of August 31st, 1885, an intruder entered Rebecca Ramey's bedroom, knocked her unconscious, then took Mary into the backyard where she was raped and murdered. Um, and she was only 11 years old. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, so... So, so this one was, was a, young, a young victim. Mm-hmm. It's one of... I think it's the youngest victim yeah. of this case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, uh, this, this is the point where I was, like, researching this. I was like, I don't know if I want to go and research this anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do that a lot. I'll research stories and it'll get to a certain point where I'm just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Because I don't want to hear about what they had to go through and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fifth and sixth victims were Orange Washington, who was employed by Michael Butler, an Austin builder. Orange rented a small cabin on the property of William Dunham, and, um, his sweetheart, Gracie Vance, lived there with him. Mm -hmm. They were both murdered in the night of September 28th, 1885. Orange Washington was the oldest son of George and Mary Washington, and he was originally from Virginia. And by 1870, the Washingtons were in Brenham, Texas, working on a farm with four children, including Orange. Gracie Vance was the daughter of Eliza and Charles Vance. Gracie was born in Texas in 1865. Um, She was briefly married to a man named Albert Hall, a Masontown Railroad worker before she met Washington. They were found on September 28th of 1885. Their heads were bludgeoned with an axe and Gracie was severely beaten. Um, I think a direct quote from a newspaper, this is really bad, but it says she was uh, beaten to a point where she could have become jelly. Yeah, so you can see the progression. Well, they've all been pretty bad, except for that one, you know, where she was just hit in the head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But. Yeah, this one was worse, so. Yeah, it seems more violent Mm -hmm. than any of the others. Right. And then we're on to the seventh victim, who was Susan Hancock. Um. It's guessed that be, sometime between 1880 and 1884, 
the Hancocks moved to San Antonio with the Falwells, and then they moved to Austin in early 1885. Um, they moved, uh, Moses was a carpenter. Um, Susan's, um, part of the family that she lived with. Um, one of the men was named Moses, and he hoped for to become a carpenter in Austin mm -hmm. because Austin was experiencing a construction and housing boom. Mm -hmm. So they most likely went from um, San Antonio to Austin looking for work. Okay. Um, and then on Christmas Eve of 1885, an intruder entered the Hancock home. Um, then Moses and um, Susan had two daughters, but they were out of the house that night. They had gone to a Christmas party, um, so they weren't home. And Susan Hancock was asleep in her daughter's bed when an intruder struck her in the head, knocking her unconscious before carrying her into the backyard. When Moses Hancock woke up, he heard a noise and was able to scare the intruder off. Wow. And I think it's important to note that Susan Hancock was white. So this doesn't really fit. Yeah, but it's the same years. thing. She was knocked out and then taken outside. Yeah, which is something that so. happened a lot. Like, most of not these, all with these, these cases. Yeah, most of all. Uh, so, all these victims were found outside. Right. So, yeah, but this one was a white victim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I think that's how they can kind of say that these are all related because the They're, hatchet or a, yeah, the axe. axe was used. They were taken. A lot of them were taken outside or the it happened outside. Yeah. So, and so, yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah. That's so, a good indicator. Mm-hmm. Um, so Moses scared the intruder off, but Susan was severely wounded. She, uh, fought for her life for three days, and she eventually died on December 28th of 1885. And then suspicion fell upon Moses, and he was arrested for murder. The husband? Yeah. Okay. Um. Did he get acquitted or let well, go or they tried him multiple times really yeah um so this man named john hancock um kind of advocated for moses mm -hmm. um and he said i think that this case is dubious and he defended him pro bono and then the case against him was dropped oh However, okay. through a complicated series of efforts, um, on part of his brother-in-law, William Scraggs, the, um, and the proddings of private detectives, because everyone wants to know, like, at this point, the townspeople are fearing, and they're writing against the police because they want to know who's, who's doing, doing it, it and, and yeah, them. because they want to feel safe again. Right. Um... And each time there's a murder, the outcry becomes bigger and bigger. 
So that's kind of drawing all these private investigators in to kind of see what it's doing. Mm -hmm. See what's going on here. Because at this time, it had become a big story. Yeah. So we have um, Williams Graggs and private detectives like saying, I rethink it's Moses. You need to re-arrest him. So they do end up re-arresting him. And he's charged and in, in, indicted, indicated, and tried for Susan's murder. Indicted and tried? Yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I think I say later in here what actually happens going through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get to that later. Now we're on to the eighth and last murder, which also happened on Christmas Eve. Hmm. It was the murder of Eula Phillips. So it's two murders mm-hmm. within. They're very close together. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the, but the first one during the Christmas season, he didn't get to do anything because he was scared off. Right. So the second one, yeah. It, it was not, kind of like. He was like. Yeah. He, he needed that. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I unfortunately couldn't find a lot of information about Eula, um, other than she was 17 years old. And she was found on Christmas Day, her hands. Um, she was found, um, her hands were held between logs so she couldn't move or anything. Mm-hmm. And then from there, she was uh, beaten and raped. Hmm. So. Yeah. That's. Same, the same MO. Yeah. You know. Um, And I believe she did have the same blunt force trauma to the head that all these victims suffered. Mm -hmm. Um, And after those two murders. Did they ever. Okay, so hopefully they have somebody. For this. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. So after the two murders that took place on Christmas Eve, the murders stopped, and to this day, this case really remains unsolved. Right. wonder why they stopped, though. Well, I have a theory as to why they stopped in here. Okay. So the only... These are the, like, suspects. So the only two other, or the only two people who were tried for the murders was Moses Hancock and James Phillips Jr., which were... Well, Moses Hancock was the first guy, right? Yeah. The husband. The husband. And then I believe Eula was married to James Phillips okay. Jr. Uh-huh. So they were the husbands of the last just seems victims. Like... <laughs> So it just seems like the police were feeling a lot of pressure. Yeah, and you know, police work back in the day was not great. They just yeah. kind of were like, had to be the husband. Yeah. Um. So Phillips went on trier, trial. Um, Phillips is, again, the husband of Eula. And he went on trial in May of 1886. And... Um, uh, J.R. Galloway, which is the author of the Servant Girl Murders, mm-hmm. said 
that Philip stood on bloody floorboards taken from his home to show that his prints didn't match those at the scene. But the jury wasn't convinced, and they did find him guilty. <laughs> um, his conviction was overturned on appeal a short while later. Oh, so okay. they didn't actually indict him of murder. Well, they did, but he. Well, yeah, they, but his conviction was overturned. Yeah, yeah. So he got a yeah. Um, and then Hancock uh, was tried in May of 1887, mm-hmm. but he was tried again. But this case ended in a hung jury. Mm-hmm. And then the third... Um, Hancock's white, right? Yes. And the nephew of said, the second victim said the guy was African-American. Yeah. So, so it doesn't, we got to think and, uh, that's definitely yeah. not Hancock. Okay. And then the police had a suspect. Um, he was 18 years old and his name was Nathan... Eglin, um, and thought that maybe he committed the crimes, um, because in February of 1886, officers were summoned to the scene of, uh, an assault in progress in a nearby saloon, and police said that they tried to arrest Eglin because he was beating a woman, mm-hmm. um, but they couldn't really arrest him and it ended up in kind of a shootout and one of the officers shot Eglin mm-hmm. and he died a short while later hmm. and I think it's important to note that all the murders stopped after Eglin's death which could be just a weird coincidence mm-hmm. um, but also you have to think he is they find him beating on a woman and then right unfortunately that's not uncommon oh that's true but i mean obviously i doubt it was either of the husbands yeah you you gotta wonder why they stopped yeah maybe he moved away he did maybe yeah maybe he moved away and they kept going but we don't know but there's not really been a connection. Right. I made yet. Yeah. So, yeah. I can say who it isn't. <laughs> yeah. But I can't say who it is. And it could have been, could have been Eglant. Well, there's further evidence that maybe says it's Eglin. But again, the, I don't know if I truly believe this. Okay. So... The sheriff at the time, Malcolm, Malcolm Hornsby, testified during the trial of Hancock that he made plaster casts of Eglin's feet before he was buried, and he compared them to the prints found at the Phillips crime scene. Mm-hmm. Um, he testified that the casts of matched the footprints found on the floorboards. Mm-hmm. So he said, it's a match. And then everyone was like, okay, so the murders have stopped. The casts supposedly match. Right. So all evidence kind of points to Eglin. Right. Well, maybe. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Forensic (laughs) evidence, forensic sciences haven't, you know, were not a thing back then. Um, But, I mean, that's pretty 
that was actually not a bad idea to make a cast and compare them to the... the yeah. Things. But also you have to think, this trip at this point, it's been going on for like a year, and he's like has a lot of pressure on him to solve it. Yeah. So he just wants it to be over with. Right. Plus, the killings have stopped. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's an interesting. It could have been him. Yeah. We'll never know for sure. And I had to throw this theory in there just because I thought you might enjoy it. <laughs> okay. But some people think that this man was actually Jack the Ripper. <laughs> and I I'm gonna don't go out on a limb. So. I'm gonna go out on a limb. Um and I'm gonna say something um that I, I feel might be way out there. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's going to challenge the realm of possibility. <laughs> but I'm going to really just guess that this was not Jack the Ripper. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I I know I I <laughs> I I'm just really I really really doubt it. <laughs> yeah. I kind of think so too. Um in my notes I had I really really don't think so. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to throw those interesting theories out yeah. there but you know. But you I know. No. Negatory. I doubt because, it. Because, like, taking the information that most killers kill within their class, yeah. most of the women killed by Jack the Ripper were white. If I'm not hey, mistaken. Hey, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's, again. And then in this yes, one, were, I believe. most, so, uh, all the women except for one were, were African American. African so. So let's just say this right now. We have we can totally put to bed one theory about 90% that this was not committed by Jack the Ripper. Yeah. I Would even, you agree with that? Oh, I would agree. Okay. I'll say 99%. 99.9. one up you. Well, good. Well, interesting. That was an interesting story. Um, I had, I don't know. I, I wonder who did it. I wonder if yeah. it was him. Hopefully it was. Then they stopped him and he, he never did that anymore Yeah. to anyone else. So yeah, um, hopefully it was. Yeah. I hope it was. They actually so. made a Criminal Minds episode out of this. They did, huh? Yeah. Which I think I... I saw that mm -hmm. at one point or another because when I learned that there was a criminal mind, so I was like, oh, hey, I think this one could be this episode, mm -hmm. which is a lot. They took, like, for that show, they took a lot of real murders, but they twisted them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they, what Hollywood so. does. Yeah. So, well, thanks, Hannah. You're I enjoyed welcome. it. I am glad that you brought this one to me. Um, it's interesting, you know, and uh, we'll see what you have for us next mm. week. Um, before we end, I want to revisit the question. Are you afraid of the dark? This did not make me more afraid <laughs> no. of the dark. No. Yeah. 
I think it maybe made me a little more afraid of the dark, but that's just could be because I, well, I mean, I don't fall into this particular um, victim range, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I'm like, it could still happen in this day. Like, there's well, still stuff like this. Well, they happen, think but, yeah. um, we listened to a Jensen and Holes podcast recently, and they still they think there might be an active serial killer in um chicago and then they were talking to this analyst who said that the number like i think someone at one point said less than one percent of murders are committed by serial killers and that this analyst said that that number is actually much higher it's just that we don't know that they yeah been connected right mm -hmm. so knowing that information makes me a little more scared but well, that hasn't changed anything. That's true. It was always like that. It's just now we have the knowledge of it, right? Yeah. So, um, don't need to be more scared. Just be... Your inner dad's yeah. coming out. <laughs> well, I, there's an inner dad and an outer dad. I'm, I'm a dad through and through. Here. So I'm a anyway, dad. All right. Well, thank you for this one. I think You're we're going to sign off. All right. Are you ready for the sign-off? Yeah, and okay. just remember that if you find yourself on this podcast, that means you, you done, done been, been murked. murked.